This is Patriots Playbook. The legend. I don't like being in the open. But you're still one of those? Like, yeah. oh, I sound terrible yeah. on the air. Yeah, right. A certain amount of weight over it, then you were in the pork chop platoon, you had to wear a red stripe on your shirt. I love that. <laughs> so it's like a scarlet letter. <laughs> you're fat. The pork chop you're fat. platoon. But even a slinky can be somewhat elusive. I'm not sure the Patriots have anybody like that. It has its ups and downs. Uh, <laughs> we got people in this business who can't pick their nose, much less pick right. games. You get a particular evil pleasure out of putting some of these things together out of context, don't you? Now, here's your host of Patriots Playbook, John Rook. Uh, welcome into the Playbook. It's Patriots Playbook for a Wednesday. It's normally our Wednesday show, and uh, here it is on December the 27th, so we're sort of halfway, kind of. We just finished Christmas. We're on the way to New Year's, and... Um, we, we got it. We'll take stock of this thing here very, very shortly. John Rook here with you. Evan Lazar is here. Uh, the, the show is actually jammed and loaded today. Uh, we'll have uh, ESPN's Mike Reese joining us at the bottom of the oh, hour. Brought in the big guns. Brought in the big guns. <laughs> I know. Uh, I, I have to give a little bit of a shout out to, to the Marine because uh, he spent most of his Christmas in the hospital. Yeah, yeah. He's been in rough shape, I heard. Uh, caught a bug from his kid. Uh, other kid had, you know, to go to the emergency room because of a twisted bowel or something. It was just something, you know, really nasty. And I'm just like, wow. So, and then he caught the, you know, whatever bug he had from his other, you know, kid. And I'm just like, wow. Just, yeah. So anyway, uh, and he's not listening to us, as I know, because he's probably can't, he probably can barely get his head off the pillow. But I wanted to give a shout out to Matt anyway because he he set all this up, and then he immediately got sick. So here we go. Yeah, right? absolutely. We're yeah. thinking about you, Marine. Absolutely. And you know, if Marine, like I, of all people, is I, knocked out by something, then it must be pretty then big. It's like got to be bad. This guy survived Iraq. Like I think he could survive yeah, a you, cold. You know, you know, it's got to be at least somewhat yeah. significant. So, yeah, yeah. And but but uh, be that as it may, our, our thoughts are with him as he tries to heal up and get ready for the new year. As we're going to do the same as well. We mentioned Mike Reese will be here. Big guns are here, as as Evan put out. Uh, and then. Um, uh, uh, Goodness, what else am I doing today? Uh, oh, Vic Carucci, good lord! Yeah, our good buddy Vic Carucci from, from Buffalo, Buffalo. Yep. Uh, longtime contributor here to the show and longtime follower of all things NFL as well as the Buffalo Bills. Vic's going to join us at the top of hour number two. Russell Bax will be around in the bottom part of hour number two to look at Week 17 in the NFL. That's the first thing I actually want to start about because here we are now. We're getting ready to embark upon 2024. We're in Week 17 of this season. And that's hard to believe. And and. Even though it did not go anywhere near the way that I think anybody expected it to around here, the fact of the matter is, is that it still just blows by so incredibly quickly. And, yeah. and so I, it's almost like there's still a part of me that wants to hang on to this season. I know there's so many fans that are ready to just, you know, draw back and punt, literally. Yeah. As well as figuratively uh, on this season because of the way that things have transpired. But I was thinking on this on the way into the studio today. We've got two weeks, really, of football, meaningful football left for us. Now, obviously, us, because we're not going to be in the playoffs around here. Right. Uh, you know, even though I'll still enjoy playoff football, I'm sure football fans will enjoy playoff football. I'll look forward to the Super Bowl. You know, yeah. I'll, uh, may even, you know, uh, go to a Super Bowl party. I don't know yet. It's still to be determined. But at the same time, it's it's like it's it's almost over, and we wait so long for it to get here. I just kind of feel like I want it to slow down a little bit, even though I know it's been torturous at times. Yeah, I think one of the toughest parts for me as somebody that, that covers the team is you feel 
it's different than feeling invested like a fan. Yeah. Uh, but you are, your life is so invested in football season. I, just thinking back to this is going to, you know, knock on wood that I don't, I'm jinxing myself big time right now. Uh, if I do make it to Buffalo, John, this will be the first time that I've traveled to every single road game for the Patriots in a season. Is that right? So I have been, I will have gone. So you've never been to the no. stadium formerly known as Rich Stadium? Uh, no, no, no. I've been to Buffalo. Oh, you've been to Buffalo? Yeah, but I have never done the whole slate of games before. Uh, in, the, in an entire season? In an entire season. Calendar, right? Right, okay. So last year I should have, because okay. my first year working for the for Patriots.com, right. uh, but the week one in Miami I got COVID in Vegas when we were out there covering joint practices with the Raiders, so I had to stay home from Miami, so I missed that one, right? and so on and so forth. But needless to say... I can put myself right back as Faith delivers the the emails perfectly. Thank you, Faith. Uh, yeah, I can sit put myself back like in Green Bay when Deuce and I were out there for joint practices with the with the Packers back in August. You know, like you just there's so much build up to all of it, and there's so much that we put into it uh, that it it does get hard to not be like crushed and kind of emotional about the fact that they had such a bad season like you know because you know you invest so much of your life into it you really do we all do yeah fans do you do i do we all invest so much time so much effort into you know a number one if you're a fan you spend a lot of time you know obviously reading listening going to games watching games whatever if you are fortunate enough to be in this industry you know your entire life revolves around the football season and even though i'm not technically a full-time employee my life revolves around football season in the fall. Yeah. It does. You know, you've got to plan for the games. I've got a show still here to do on Wednesdays, which I love connecting with the fans because these are our peeps, man. This yeah. is who we're talking to, right? Yeah. And so we want to exchange the idea because this is how you develop a following. I really believe strongly, and I've always believed this, Evan, uh, that in the 22, 23 years now that we've been doing Patriots.com radio, fact of the matter is, is that I think our uh, interest has spread to the point where we are global here and yeah. there's more interest in Europe and points, you know, between here and there and far reaches of the of the planet Earth here uh, because of our uh, penchant for being global via the Internet. We started live radio broadcasting here on Patriots.com before any other team did. Yeah, we're know, you know, super cool. Trendsetters here. Yeah. Right. And so we're just trying to keep up with the tradition. Number one. And number two, we want to continue to build the audience. And number three, what's next? Yeah. I mean, I, it's going to be a fun off season. I think in some ways the the season is kind of the I, I actually don't like the off season and professionally. Does anybody like be, the off season? Because no. because it's 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 the fear of the unknown. Right. Yes. Like. At any point in time, like you can you can look down at your phone and Adam Schefter's tweeted that the Patriots have traded so and so or the Patriots have signed so and so, and then you're scrambling, right? Yeah. So the season is it, it, there's a schedule, duh. Like right. So yeah. like, you know you know Wednesdays yeah. are Wednesdays and Thursdays are Thursdays. Uh, I, I for Patriots fans though, like I, I I understand that a lot of people are not invested at all in these next two games. And in fact, 99% of Patriots fans that we talk to want them to lose mm-hmm. the next two games uh, for, for okay. I'm really happy you brought that dra- draft pick purposes. But yes. I think, uh, you know, for me, it, I still want to see, this is still to me like an exam 
uh, a two you know two more exams mm-hmm. for the players that are currently on the roster like who's mm-hmm. here and who is not next year not just bill but players too and i think that there are players that have are going in one you know both directions like guys that mac jones yeah probably not going to be on this team you know guys like christian barmore or now are I, I, I still pillars. Don't, i don't yeah you're right about christian uh, mac i'm not so sure about because of the way that his contract is is so affordable now you know yeah. and and you got to get some value in return and i can't imagine too many teams are going to be willing to cough it up because they know the patriots want to get rid of him i just i don't know what mac jones's role for him personally like well, i don't see how it works out can i tell you that i don't think bailey zappy is is long for here you don't think so? No. I mean, I realize he's he's had a great couple of weeks here. You know, yeah. and I thought his performance this, you know, the, the this performance this week was was strong. It was solid. It was every bit as good as he's ever had here. I'm just not sure based on the way things are going to break down that he's the one that won't be traded because you might be able to get better value for him than you might be able to get for a former first round draft pick. Maybe I, I we've had arguments, not arguments, but fun. I would say Always. about ba- ba- Bailey Always. Zappi, especially last season. Always. And I got to be honest. I have come around to the fact that I am no longer going to be closed minded about Bailey Zappi mm-hmm. because I was last year. I probably was over the summer too this year coming into the season uh, with Max the starter, Max team, Mm -hmm. that sort of thing. And all Bailey Zappi has done for the last two years, not necessarily in practice, but in games, in in regular season starts, all Bailey Zappi has done is outperform Mac Jones. That's it. I, I agree with he, you. All he's done is played better than Mac and Jones. And a lot of fee- a lot of fans would be willing to to say, you know, hey, we told you so. We told you so. I Go never, ahead. I never thought, I never thought that I that as far as mechanics and, and the ability to you know orchestrate a professional offense and what have you, I never thought that Bailey Zappi held it over Mac Jones. I always yeah. thought Mac was he has all the tools. Bailey has a little. I think the way that I've termed this in the past, Bailey has a little je ne sais quoi. He got a little something, something. He's got a little spice to him. Yes. Yes. That's exactly right. And I think he's had to because of the way that he grew up. He's a little shorter. Yeah. Uh, but he's got a little more game to him. He's got a little bit more fire he's to him. He's a gunslinger. Yes. And he has. I, he's I, had I, I don't to be. like calling him a gunslinger because I don't think he has. He's not Brett Favre, right? Like he doesn't have the arm no. talent of like a, a, a traditional gunslinger. Right. But at the same time, he plays the game. Yeah. A lot looser yeah. than Mac Jones. Yeah, I agree with that. And he he he's he's more natural in the way he moves in the pocket, the I way that he that. throws from different arm he angles seems and to platforms. Have, he seems to have a little bit more of that Brady esque talent for knowing what's coming and when it's coming so he can move up in the pocket. That is one of Max's yeah. weak spots, and we yeah. know this. Max sometimes doesn't feel the pressure around him, yeah. and he holds onto the ball too long, and what happens? Whack. Yeah. Or he throws it poorly. And and while Bailey has had his issues on that, he does seem to have that sense. You've got to have the best quarterbacks, in my opinion, Evan, are the ones with eyes in the backs of their head. Yeah. You know, and however you want to term that. I always thought Trevor Lawrence was really one of those guys that was like that as well. You know, uh, obviously Brady had that ability to be able to do that. Some of the great quarterbacks of all time have had that ability that, unfortunately, I just don't think Mac was blessed with. Now, does that mean that I don't think Mac can be a a serviceable serviceable quarterback? No. What it means is, is that I just don't think based on the personnel that's here and depending upon the personnel they would bring in in the offseason. 
that this is the spot for him to have success. Yeah, I, I just I look at Bailey now and I see an offense that, according to the pass block win rate, has the worst pass protection in the NFL, mm-hmm. and an offense that we know has some limitations in terms of the skill positions around the quarterback. And what Bailey Zappi's been able to do is just buy that extra beat or two in the pocket to allow Devontae Parker to get up the field or allow uh, Pop Douglas to break off his route and go up the field on the 41-yard completion or yeah. allow Mike Gesicki to find right. some space in the back of the end zone to make a, a passing window for him to throw that touchdown against the Broncos to him. Just these little things like that about his pocket mobility – allow the offense this offense to function a little bit better that's not to say that I think that Bailey Zappi is going to be this franchise quarterback but with the parameters set in place for this offense where Verdarian Lowe is your starting left tackle and your best wide receiver is a sixth round pick from Liberty yeah, yeah. you need a quarterback that has a little bit of gunslinger playmaker whatever you want to call it in him and Mac Jones is a robot Mac Jones is this is the defense. This is our routes. This is my read. This is my throw. Like, like Mac is like a zero sum. And that product. is how he developed at Alabama. Let's right. also reiterate that because he had that system in place. He had the offense in place. He had the receivers in place. He had the running backs in place. He had as good an offensive line as you're going to have in college football around him. And so his ability to develop went the, that route, whereas yeah. if Bailey Zappi's concerned, talking about a guy that started at Houston Baptist, now Houston right. Christian, by the way. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, the, the school changed its name. Oh. And and then went from there after, what, three years, four years, to Western Kentucky, where he broke all of those NCAA yeah. Division One single-season passing records. I remember watching specifically his bowl game against Texas San Antonio a couple of years ago, and he was nuts. And I said, wow, somebody's going to take a run at this kid <laughs> who knew it was going to be New England. Right, But he had an ability to make guys miss. He had an ability to sling it down the field, and the guys had the ability to run underneath it. And I'm like, well, if you could find the right personnel set for Bailey Zappi, I could see you building something. Now, that being said, I'm not sure that that's where the Patriots' future is going to be. And and here's, no. the, here's the issue. I'm glad you brought up the whole, you know, you know uh, trying issue because the, the tanking thing is certainly, it seems to have revved up a little bit again over the last couple of weeks, especially since the Patriots have won, what, two of their last three. Right. And, and, and uh, you know, the Internet, social media, has been, people are just BS over the fact that, oh, my God, they can't even lose right. Yeah. And, and I'm like, somehow we have lost the point. This is a competitive industry. Yeah. It's, it may be the most competitive professional sport out there simply because of the physicality of what happens in pro football. If anybody who has ever been in a huddle, anybody who's ever put on pads, anybody who I would say, and I make fun of this all the time, ladies, excuse me, anybody who's put on a jock strap, okay, <laughs> um, you understand, I think, where I'm going. You probably get where I'm going here, all right? If you are one of those, and I'm gonna, I'll be happy to call you out, and you can pick up the phone, and you can call me and tell me I'm an idiot. I really don't care. You can do that today, all right? You can do that any day that we're on the show. That's what the show is all about. You have to have played the game at a high enough and or a meaningful level to truly understand what tanking is. It's so easy for us. Yeah. To say it. But unless you've ever put on the pads or the jock strap and been in that huddle 
and gone through the, the hours and hours of pain and practice and weightlifting and t- self-torture because you love the game such as it is, and you're paid very well for it. Let me, okay? Yeah. Even the rookies, they get paid very well for this. But you don't invest yourself in this sport with the idea that you're going to lose on purpose. That is completely and totally asinine. Yeah, yeah. I, I just think for me too, and I agree with that totally, you're also encouraged by some of the development of the players on the roster that are younger players that are under contract. Like I'm not necessarily talking about uh, guys that, that might not be here through this next let's just call it what it is, rebuild. But uh, a player like Christian Barmore is now emerging as a a potential pillar piece on the defensive side of the ball, like a stud defensive tackle. I've seen him already uh, compared to Richard Seymour in some social media posts. That may be going a little bit far, but I would tell you that, you know what, I can see that because if you can control what he is learning how to control on the defensive front, where now you know it's a compliment to be doubled. Yeah. And, and and you've got two people, you know, on top of him to keep him out, but he's got enough foot speed to still make an impact one on two, like Richard Seymour did, and that's why he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Okay, fine. Yeah. You know, you got a guy like Christian Barmore who's emerging as a as a real pillar moving forward. You have Pop Douglas, who is probably gonna break every single Belichick era rookie record for a receiver. He already has receptions. Uh, he, he's not going to catch Gronk on touchdowns. Unfortunately, no, one's, no, no, no one is, uh, but he's going to have receptions and receiving yards by the end of the year uh, for a rookie receiver in the Belichick era. And, and then you also have, you know, other guys that are getting valuable experience. Like I, I think that he's still got a ways to go, but I think that they potentially have found a serviceable starting guard in city. So I, he's got, a lot of rookie warts on his film with picking up stunts and seeing blitzes and movement from the defense post-snap. But it's not a physical ability issue, right? It's not like he doesn't have the foot speed or the play strength to play the position. He's just got to learn the position at this level. Yeah, he does. So we'll get to that point eventually. But some of these younger guys, some of these players, you know, Keon White, I thought, had a really impactful game against Denver. A couple pressures, quarterback hit, bats a pass down at the line of scrimmage. He was noticeable uh, mm-hmm. watching this game back. Those types of guys are hopefully parts of the solution for this team. And maybe it doesn't necessarily need to be in wins and losses. And I, I, I am all for, like, lose to Buffalo 35-34 with a bunch of really good football on Sunday. Like, sure, if in an ideal world... if you That's could, what I thought the Denver game was going right. to be, to be honest with you. And that yeah. was an entertaining game. Yeah, if you can split the atom that way, then then fantastic. But the point is is that if you're being competitive in the game and the bounces go your way, you're, you're going to win, like mm-hmm. they did in Denver. I, I just think that there's something to be said for some of these guys that are starting to emerge now, some of these younger players that are on rookie contracts that are going to be around uh, regardless of who is the regime. Like Whoever takes over the Patriots next year, if it's not Bill Belichick, is not going to trade Christian Barmore. Like Christian Barmore is going to be here. He's he's an anchor piece. Right. So you're you're getting these guys that are breaking out, that are emerging, and I think that's that's a good thing for the team in the long run. Uh, So playing well – whether it's wins or losses, but just having individual guys play well is a good thing. And I think we were at a point in this season, obviously early on, like against Dallas and New Orleans, you know me, John, I'm trying to think of guys to hype up, guys to talk about, guys that I'm encouraged by. Well, yeah, you've got to do that here on the website. We right. have to talk some positivity. Right, right. And there was nothing. Like, there was nothing. And then they lose five straight games. 
and there's still there's nobody like there's no flashes there's no nothing besides really barmore like starting to ascend hardest year to cover ever there was honestly. nothing positive to talk about and now it, yes i ideally they they would have found a way to lose a, a game in overtime against denver for the draft pick purpose i get that people feel that way uh, but at least we can come out of that game now and we can say barmore had the best game he's ever had. You're finding pieces right. that you want to hold on to for the future. Yeah. Like yeah. I just said, this has been the hardest year, I think, to cover ever. And you could make an argument back into the 1960s when this was the AFL and the Boston yeah. Patriots if you want to. And, and we're talking about some really lousy teams in the 70s, a couple of lousy teams again in the 80s, and even in the early 90s before you know the craft the era began in terms of ownership. Right. Some bad teams here. But I would argue that you didn't cover the NFL then like we cover the NFL right. now, which is a 24-7, 365 cycle here, especially with the website. This is, we've like I said, 22, 23 years of Patriots.com and Patriots.com radio. We've never had a season like this. No, and it, it's tough. It's been tough to find things to, you know, building blocks moving forward, find positives. And now we do have some of those. And I think that that you can be encouraged by that. Well, I also seen the bigger picture of there's still four and 11 and yeah. there's still a long way to go. I just, you know, last thought on Bailey Zappi. Uh, I still feel this way. And I kind of, you know, felt this way all along. Uh, but I think he solidified this for me. I, I, I still think Bailey Zappi at, at his ceiling is a really good backup quarterback mm-hmm. who can start games if you need him to start I would, games. I'm 100% with you on that one. We don't usually agree 100%, yeah. but I am with you on that one. Right. I look at Bailey, and I thought he had a nice game against Denver. Uh, he's had a couple of pretty decent starts, you know, because yeah. there really was no other choice, as we all know. Right. So, and he's answered the bell. And I think what this does show now is that you have a competent NFL starter caliber backup. Yeah, and I think that that's what – he to me is an ideal backup quarterback. Yes, and I know some people feel differently because of the way he carries himself, mm-hmm. and that he has some swagger and some confidence, and maybe he does think he's better than he is. But I think as a backup quarterback, you need to have that. You, that's even more important, more important because you don't have the confidence of the backing of the organization of this is our guy. So you have to manufacture your own confidence, and you have to have that ability. We look around the league now. Uh, how many backup quarterbacks are now starting. And if you have that confidence and that swagger of, I can come off the bench at any time if our starter gets hurt and I can win us this football game, that's the ideal backup quarterback to me. And I think that's exactly what the Patriots have in Bailey Zappi. I still feel that if he played a 17-game season, that a lot more of his warts would start to show over a larger sample size. But they have two more games. And it's going to be a six-game run of starts here for Bailey Zappi, which is ha- almost half a season. Yeah, and that should and, be a pretty good barometer as right. to what you have. So maybe he is better than I thought, uh, and maybe he is a low-end starter that can be a bridge quarterback to a, a younger guy. Like, if they draft Jaden Daniels or a Drake May uh, and they don't want to throw that guy right into the fire, is it possible that, that Bailey Zappi can be – your bridge to that, you know, start half a season next year. Kind start, of what I'm leaning toward. Maybe, maybe. I, I I, am open to that idea. I just still think that 
you know, to use a, a comparison, you know, I look at him in the same breath as like a, a, a Taylor Heineke or like, uh, you know, uh, I, I think what Jake Browning is doing in Cincinnati, Bailey Zappi could probably do something comparable to that. Uh, but is he is he your long-term starter? No, no but no. there's nothing wrong with being a, a very good backup either. Right. All right. So uh, very quickly here before we yeah. get on to, to, to Mike, uh, you know, in in uh, in terms of this week, for Buffalo, the Patriots yeah. have a win in hand against Buffalo. Believe it or not. Which is shocking. Yeah. How surprised would you be if they actually won this game or even kept it competitive this week? Uh, I'd be pretty surprised. I, I think the the way that I see this game unfolding is similar to the Kansas City game where they do hang around for a little bit. And similarly, honestly, to the finale last year in Buffalo uh, where you hang on for a little while, maybe a half, and you're competitive, but ultimately they just have – too much offense yeah. for you to, yeah, to keep up so. on the scoreboard. I, I will say, though, that Buffalo's defense right now, now we'll see if they ha- who's healthy and who's not. They have some key injuries on the defense side of the ball to A.J. Epineza, Micah Hyde. Mm-hmm. Uh, but their defense is not as good as it has been in the last couple of years, especially covering deep passes. And that's the one thing that Bailey Zappi has very clearly had an advantage over Mac Jones is creating explosive pass plays mm-hmm. down the field. Mm-hmm. Bailey Zappi has 12 20-plus yard passes in four games. Right. Mac Jones had – 15 in 11 11 games yeah so they're much better down the field passing team uh with bailey zappi and and maybe that is an area especially if they don't have hide uh that the patriots can take advantage of this bill's defense on and score some points uh but i i just don't see how you know they scored had to score 29 uh to beat buffalo in week seven and that was their best offensive performance by the season by a country mile they almost damn near did that again this last week can they manufacture that again i don't know Very quickly, were you surprised that Russell Wilson was benched today? I was surprised. I know that there's uh, financial reasons behind it uh, to try to move on from him uh, after this season, but I thought that the fourth quarter that he played was uh, good enough to me. Uh, First couple of quarters, especially uh, the first half, it it did seem that he was a little bit – uh, rattled and confused by what the Patriots were doing defensively, right. and especially with the pressures. You know, the Pats uh, sent a lot of different types of pressure looks at him, and, and it seemed to fluster him a little bit. There's the one that get, play I keep going back to is uh, Josh Uche's sack, mm-hmm. where it just seemed like he ran like a, a chicken with his head cut off right into a Patriots defender in the pocket. <laughs> and uh, that, at that point, I was like, oh, wow, you know, he's kind of seeing ghosts a, a little bit, right? And then, but then he. He got himself off the mat and, right. and put together two real touchdown drives in the fourth quarter. So, I don't know. I, I was surprised. Happy New Year, my friend. You too as well. Okay. Good travels Happy this holidays. week to Buffalo. Get some and, wings. And, and you get the, yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. oh Lord. Are yeah. you serious? Really? Oh, yeah. Almost any place you go. I know the Anka Bar is the one, but there yeah. are a couple of others there. Just we, ask we, the townies. Yeah. The townies. We know. might try uh, Wing Nuts, which is like the new one. That's a good one. Yeah, it's like I, the new up-and-comer. I, I, that one, yeah. I was there a couple of years ago for the NCAA tournament. There you go. And, uh, yeah, yeah, that was one of the spots we hit, and you can't go wrong. Say hi to Reese for me. Attaboy. You got it. All right. The one and only <clears throat> Evan Lazar. And Speaking of one and onlys, Mike Reeks, ESPN's uh, Patriots reporter, NFL, um, you know, live NFL reporter. Um, Mike, uh, uh, any th- any thoughts to you know Buffalo Wings this weekend, or you know, I mean, has that even entered the lexicon? Are we still all football here? 
I love it. I, I love buffalo wings, John. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. I, I always, right. I'll always consider it. <laughs> consider it? Oh, man. It's got like, all right, where are we going and when are we going to get there, you know? The trip to Buffalo just yeah. is not, it's not, you know, e- either that or have you ever gotten into the, the, the buffalo delicacy known as beef on weck? I haven't, but I will tell you, they have the best Italian restaurant um, outside of the North End that I've ever been to, so I usually hit that pretty hard okay. out there. Okay, all right. Uh, just do me a favor. If you get a chance to order beef on Weck, give it a try, because I was pleasantly surprised. You know how you know, right. we, we, are, we, we are so into roast beef sandwiches up here in, in you know, greater Boston, right? You know, the, the way that they, they do it up here in New England. But beef on Weck is not bad. Not bad. It's a, I would call it a poor man's, you know, roast beef sandwich, but, you know, hey, it's, it's okay. I like it. I'm putting it on the list. Okay. I like it. There you I go. Like the, I like the suggestion. Um, obviously, you heard a little bit of what Evan and I were talking about, and, and clearly, you know, we've been in this mode, Mike, uh, of trying to turn toward next year, and yet we're starting to catch up a little bit more on this year with realizing what the Patriots as a football team actually have that's worth building upon for next year and beyond. And I think we've learned a little bit more about Bailey Zappi, even though neither one of us, and I'm curious as to your opinion, neither one of us really feels like Bailey Zappi is the future at quarterback, but he certainly could be a piece to the puzzle. Well, and that's exactly the way I feel, John. And I go back to when Bill Belichick was talking about the Indianapolis Colts um, when Peyton got hurt that year, Peyton Manning. And I remember Bill said something like, "If you know, look, that's a good example that if you don't have the quarterback position accounted for, you put the whole team at risk. And so to me, Bailey Zappi might be the, the backup next year. He might be the number three, whatever. You might need him. And he's shown that he can come in and, and – win some games for you. So that's very valuable, especially at that, you know, at that position specifically. Is Mac Jones here next year? So, so I think that's TBD, right? And I think the part of it is follow the money and it's, uh, you know, contract is certainly favorable. There's nothing that would prohibit him from being here. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I think who's coaching and, and what does that look like? And, and if he isn't, what would you be getting in return? Because right. I don't think you necessarily want to just give an asset no, away. No, I think that's the big key here. And, and we we did mention that a, a little while ago. I, I don't see – I see Mac Jones here over – I see over Bailey Zappi largely because of you won't be able to get, you know, uh, you won't be able to get any kind of a decent return for him. Whereas, you know, from a first-round pick, whereas, you, you know, Bailey Zappi, you might actually get some kind of a return. But teams are going to know that you want to get rid of him, that he's not your future, and they're not going to give you anything for him. So if you've got him under contract, still under his rookie deal, why wouldn't you just go ahead and and, and play through that? And you've got somebody that you, you feel like could certainly take the ball if you ended up in an injury situation. Whether or not you draft a, you know, a, a future quarterback or you go through the free agent route and bring somebody in. By the way, how about... Joe Flacco this year and the Cleveland Browns and what's gone on there. I mean, the guy literally came up off the couch to do what he's Amazing. doing. And and I'm like, okay, so why couldn't the Patriots do something like that? Yeah, no, I think right on, John. And so I think if for, for the Mac thing, the template to me would be like the Trey Lance trade. And so I would ask maybe you or the listeners, you know, how would you feel about getting a fourth-round pick yeah. for Mac? Yeah. And because that's sort of what Trey Lance was, and mm-hmm. you probably could make a case, sort of the same type deal. Um, and I think if you do it, it would be more for the idea of a fresh start is 
good for Mac, and mm-hmm. a fresh start is good for the Patriots. Yeah, and so I, yeah, as I, long as, you know, yeah, I would agree with you. I, I just, I don't know if a fourth is enough. I don't know if there are too many people that would, you know, turn around and, and, and slam that because he was a first-round failure and how many people would blame the organization on that. And certainly the organization has to absorb some blame because they chose him. But at the same time, I think this is a shared blame. And I think it is, yeah. you know, uh, Mac has to shoulder some of this responsibility as well because he just did not develop the way anybody thought he could develop. Yeah, I think that's very fair, John. And I think the, the flip side is, what did the organization do around him to promote that development? Yes, and if and if they're being honest with each other, you like what you said, John. They have a shared responsibility. I think each side could have done better uh, holding up their end of the bargain. Right. All right. Let Let's turn the page a little bit, Mike, because I know you were in the, the locker room after the the game uh, in Denver, and I, I can't imagine. And I know there were several members of the media, and I think maybe you did as well. So forgive me if for not remembering exactly, but. Um, you, I don't. I don't think anybody in that locker room, based on what I saw, and and what I witnessed, and what I read about, and what I've heard about, you know, in the last forty-eight hours or so, I don't think the word tank has gone into anybody's mind in that locker room at all. And I understand why they would take umbrage or or, or umbrance, I should say, uh, with the mere thought of tanking. Like it seems like every Patriots fan on social media is insisting they should have done. Yeah, it's just you see the disconnect between those that are in the arena and those who are sort of following the people in the arena. It's about competition, you know, John. And I, I, I'm going to try to pull it up as we're talking here. I thought Devon Godchow to me um, had a quote that really stood out to me about the player mindset mm-hmm. um, in these situations. And I'm going to pull it up as we're talking sure. here. Sure. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, he he said, um, let's see. He said it's about it's all about pride, man being willing to compete. We could have easily laid an egg and said, bleep it. Let's get ready for Christmas. The season is over. But we have teams in front of us, and it's good to knock a team like this out of playoff contention. I thought that was a pretty cool mindset. It shows you where the players are coming from. And, John, I would say one thing. The Trent Brown um, situation bears watching because that's one player I thought when I watched the game over, I said, is he playing at the same speed as his no. teammates? And so I just want to see what that looks like going yeah. forward. I'm with you on that one. I mean, look, I, I realize that the Patriots uh, are uh, they're just they're just bereft of talent on the offensive line, and I think we've known that for a long, long time already this year. And Trent may have a lot of talent. We know he has a lot of uh, talent, ability, size. He's got all the things that you need on the offensive line. I don't think his mindset is what this franchise, this team needs right now. And, and again, and, that's and, that's a personal opinion, but I'm also basing yeah. that opinion based on what I've seen of him out on the field. And and also too, I, I think about what goes into building a team. And if you got some young, impressionable guys in that offensive line room that you drafted, and you lead with your actions in mm-hmm. terms of you know an organization, if you let something like that go you're sending a message to these young guys about what's acceptable. So right. I just sort of want to see if anything happens there in terms of, you know, is he playing the rest of the season? Is he out at practice? And mm-hmm. so it's just something I have in my notebook, John, to keep an eye on. All right, and I think we all should keep an eye on. All right, so the, the next pressing question. Um, is Bill Belichick the coach here next year? Well, I wish I knew the answer, John. That's what everyone always has, has been asking, really, since, what call it like a month and a half ago, mm-hmm. two months ago. Mm-hmm. I really think it's all contingent on what um, ownership hears from him after the season. I think it's pretty well documented that 
during the season, they focus on the season, and, and ownership gives Bill his space, and Bill wants to just keep it short-term focus. And then they meet, and they talk, and what's the vision for um, what's ahead, and, and what's the explanation for what's happened? Because this has been an unexpectedly disappointing season, and what, is, what were Bill's missteps, and what is his willingness to be accountable for right. those missteps? And yeah. I feel like we can't answer your question until we know how that meeting went, because right. I... I, it's hard for me to believe that um, they would make a decision without having that intelligence. I agree with that. I, I would tell you that based on all the information that I've heard, that I've had told to me personally, uh, that, that I you know certainly can share here, uh, I, I would tell you that um, from day one, they haven't wavered. I think this is a large reason why the Crafts, Mr. Kraft and Jonathan, I think this is why they've stayed silent on the matter. When people are clamoring for them to make some kind of a statement, they have chosen not to. And there's a reason for that, because it is B-A-U, business as usual. Now, you have to discuss which direction you want that business to go, because the Crafts aren't billionaires for nothing. And this franchise doesn't get worth $7 billion, thanks to the latest Forbes valuation, based on business going south. These guys are businessmen, and they are very good at what they do. But at the same time, I know that they've had an affinity for their, in, their, their investment in this New England Patriots football organization that they paid $170 million-ish for a little over 30 years ago. And is now worth that $7 billion. So they, they've got an eye for it. And my guess would be that they're going to give Bill every opportunity to keep this job if that's what Bill wants to do. Now, being that being said, I do think that you have to – you touched on the key point here, Mike, and I think this is where this whole thing is going to swivel over the next two to three weeks, you know, once this season is over. It, it, this really is going to depend upon the future of the franchise. Where does Bill see it going? Because if they're going to pivot to the future here – in another year or two. Let's say Bill wants to coach another year or two. And I believe he does. I believe strongly that Bill still wants to coach, and I think he's shown signs like that because he's so focused on the present day. I think that's something that is certainly a likely scenario. But the Crafts also have to have an eye toward the immediate future beyond the next year or two. And so there has to be a compromise somewhere between the two parties, the Crafts, the ownership, and Bill Belichick, the coach, and the current GM, has to be some kind of a compromise here. All right, Bill, we'd love for you to continue to coach. You can stay and coach here as long as you want. But we have to kind of keep an eye toward the future, especially if it's only going to be another year or two that you're going to be here as head coach. And we think there needs to be somebody to handle personnel with an eye toward what we do down the road. Does that make sense? That, it makes a lot of sense to me, John. And I would even add we want to put more people around you yes. coaching-wise yes. to help you. Yes, you know? and. What does that look like? Uh, I I think a, a winning scenario if Bill Belichick is here is Josh McDaniels. Yes, back, one of the right. I mean, ding 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 and, ding. Yes, and and works with Bill O'Brien. And I mean, why wouldn't you want two very good offensive coaches? A hundred percent. Maybe maybe Dave Ziegler comes back to the front office, right? The, yeah. Who went to the Raiders? Mm -hmm. and, and I think just the so improving the infrastructure to help Bill. I mean, to me, that's that's a winning scenario. Mike, Mike, it's Mike. It's ready. called it's called getting the band back together. I like it. I like it, John. And I think some people might say, "Well, no, rip the bandaid off. It's time for a fresh start." And I think you just have to be careful what you wish for, because I, I see how hard the team is playing for Bill. 
And I mm-hmm. think the talent needs a boost, but I don't think it's that far off, John. I really don't. The guys in that locker room like, even love playing for Bill. And if you haven't seen the post-game video of the locker room, and I know that uh, you know Crash Sports Productions and WBZ in Boston, they put it out there on social media, so you should probably go looking for it. I think it's even here on the website. But you have to see the looks on these guys' faces, and you have to see you know the respect that they have for him. And I, I listen. I've always you know we, we always wonder you know hey is he lost touch is he you know this and that guys don't seem to be playing anymore. There's always going to be you got a 53 man roster here, which is why it's absolutely uncompletely asinine is the word I used earlier to think that this team would tank or could tank because you might have one or two guys that are kind of rogue and kind of stray and, and, and maybe we've already named one here on the program a little bit but, but most the overwhelming majority here are with you they're on your side they just may not have the ability and they may be hurt or they may be this or may may be that and it's just one of those years where Everything that's going against you kind of is conspiring to go against you. You need uh, you, you need a little help, and I think the way that you do that is by bringing some of, not all of, but some of the band back together. And on the offensive line, for instance, now, I, you know, hey, uh, I would tell you that I, I think uh, Coach Scar is retired, but, you know, I think we also understand that I, I'm not so sure that offensive line was coached up the way that it needed to be, knowing what the the shortcomings were going to be. And, again, I'm not going to really put the blame all on Adrian Klum either because he's, you know, uh, ill. But at the same time, something needs to happen here. And if you can do this and look for a short-term fix to become competitive with an eye toward the long term, and I'm talking about two-plus years from now, I think that's the answer for the New England Patriots going forward. And, John, I I think the whole conversation is, Sometimes, like, the fresh start, the, yeah, and it, they, they might determine they need a fresh start. Like, let's just call it, let's put it out there. Mm-hmm. Like, we're talking about one scenario. Sure. They, they obviously have more information than us behind the scenes, and they might feel like this organization needs a reboot, and they might have their reasons for that. I think there's a more risk in that, to me, than what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And I think as long as you acknowledge that, you might you might have listeners here that are saying, "Oh, these two guys, they they're nuts. They want to run back the whole thing." <laughs> I right? think that's and, and look, that's a daily occurrence, <laughs> right, John? And they're entitled to their opinion. That's totally fair. Yeah, I think you have to look at these jobs though and see the failure rate and realize you got a guy. At least I shouldn't say I shouldn't tell anyone how to think. I want to share. This is how I view it. Mm-hmm. Like you got a guy that that can do the job. It's proven. And the team's still playing hard for him. So, you know, removing him and putting in an unknown, like, there's more risk in that to me yeah. than the other scenario. I have never been a fan of the rip off the Band-Aid and, and let it fester philosophy. I've just never done that. I've never – hey, listen, I was too much of a wuss as a kid anyway. I couldn't take off my Band-Aid like that. I, if I took off yeah. the scab, I was just like, oh, my God, it's the end of the world. You know, I liked a good itchy it. scab anyway. You know, I'd like to – you know, if you're going <laughs> to rip off that Band-Aid, the scab has got to stay. And I think that's really where we are here. I think we got to rip off the Band-Aid. I'm not totally in disagreement with that. But the scab's got to stay. Okay. How about this week in Buffalo uh, overall, Mike? I mean, in, in you know, as I mentioned with Evan a little bit earlier, I think we'd all be stunned uh, probably if this team ended up 
with a with a sweep over the Bills, especially this year. And and while I don't think there's any visions of grandeur, I do think there's an opportunity to play this game, keep it close. And look, one of the things that one of the reasons that they've won two of the last three is because they've limited their mistakes defensively, especially. I mean, very few penalties. Uh, what maybe one yep. penalty per game over the last eight, ten weeks, something like that. Yep. It's just it, it's it. So I'm I'm impressed with the way the discipline has improved. It should never have gotten to the point that it got to, but that's another discussion for another day. It has improved, so we are making gains, even if it's not as fast as anybody wanted it to. If this team plays like it did in Denver, there's no reason why they can't make it a game on New Year's Eve. I agree. I think a key for me in this one, as I've started to measure it out, John, is they got to be able to run the ball and and yep. sort of slow the game down a mm-hmm. little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think I think it's going to be hard defensively. Like the the part that worries me for them is their cornerback mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. When when Jonathan Jones isn't in the game, um, they, they they're a little bit under undermanned, and I think against Josh Allen, that that can be really really tough. And so that's the one part to me where. I, I think they're a little vulnerable going into this game, and so I think trying to limit possessions would be very uh, important for them. Sure, try to keep it, uh, you know, at least somewhat manageable. Even though we know that, uh, you know, hey, the, the the task that you're going to have at hand, and plus they're they're a team that clearly still has something to play for. So I can't imagine that they won't be motivated uh, to for a little payback here. You know. That's Definitely. that's Definitely. one of the good ones. Mike, I really appreciate the time today, my friend. Uh, happy holidays to you and, and to your family. Happy New Year, and, and I look forward to visiting you again very, very soon. John, uh, right back at you. I love talking with you, and I did want to tell you, I got so fired up uh, on the Twitter, or X, or whatever, you know how they call it now, <laughs> listening to your call of the Providence men's basketball uh, into overtime with, like, the three-pointers, and I just kept listening to it over and over again because – that to me is like the best part about sports and broadcasting. Like, let's get excited. Like, let's get uh, passionate about it. You're, it was awesome. It fired me up. You're very kind. Um, the one thing that uh, that I've loved about that particular part of my job is the fact that I, I get to be fanboy and uh, a little yes. bit, and and you put a little emotion behind it. And if you can't have fun. Doing what we do around a game is just not worth doing. And I kind of view this job as well as, you know, any other job that I've been lucky to have, you know, in, in a long career uh, that, you know, I, I'm not going to do it anymore if I can't have fun doing it. And, and that I was a fun moment. That, John. It was a, yeah, it was I a, love it. Yeah, it was a fun moment. I appreciate you saying that. If coming from you, that means a lot. So thank you very much no, for that. But, but I think we view it the same way, John. And it's not necessarily like you can be a fan of the sport. And so – you see a, a player do something, you know, extra or you know, extraordinary. Like we should get excited over it. What are we doing here? You know, we're we're watching sports. Let's That's what. Go. So like, right? Bailey Zappi makes some of those throws to Devontae Parker. I mean, I wouldn't say I'm a fan, but I'm a fan of football. And yes. when I see a good play, I'm like, that's great. Yes, 100%. Right? Hey, how about, you know, the special teams play, you know, after they score a touchdown on the kickoff and then they end up scoring the touchdown on the very next play. That was the that was the, the fulcrum that, that pivoted toward New England and the reason that they won the game. And special teams have been one of the most maligned things on this football roster all season long, but it took a special teams t- play – 
in just the right spot to get them over the hump to win a football game. And I, I was like, right. I, I remember looking at Miss Robin during the game as we're watching the game together, and, and yeah. I'm just like, my God, that was a great football play. This was an entertaining football game. If you didn't have a stake on either team, you could understand. Like, it was 7-3 to three at halftime. 7-3. to three. Yeah. And it ends up being, what was the final? 27 to something? I don't even remember. 26-23. Right? Yeah. So it goes to show you. I was just, I absolutely was enthralled with the points scored, number one, by the page. And number two, it was back and forth. It was like a couple of heavyweight boxers going at each other. And I'm like, this totally. is what it's all about, is having the fun with it. So thank you for that, Mike. I appreciate that. It means a lot. Thanks, John. I appreciate you. Happy New Year, buddy. Right back at you. You got it. Mike Reese, the one and only. Uh, at Mike Reese on X.com, uh, covering the Patriots for ESPN, ESPN.com. Uh, one of our alumni here at Patriots head- headquarters, having uh, worked for Patriots.com and Patriots Football Weekly years ago as well. So, uh, you know, uh, Mike's one of the good ones, and he's developed him to a fine, fine reporter uh, to the point where I think largely, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong here, but is he one of your most trusted go-to sources for information on the Patriots? Can you answer that one honestly to yourself? I would say that 9 out of 10 of you, 8 out of 10 of you would probably say, yep. He is for me, too. He absolutely is for me, too. Um, you know, just because he spends all of his time covering the team. He he takes it seriously. He does it the way that, you know, he takes his job seriously. There's no tank in Mike Reese. Is William and Philly still there, Faith? You really, Is he still holding on? William, you still there? No. Okay, he hung up a long time ago. I was about to say, wow. William, I'm very sorry if you were holding on to the phone to to speak to us. Uh, So if you uh, care to, I'll get you right into the program. 855-PATS-500 is the toll-free telephone number. Uh, Or you can hit me up on X, at JR Broadcaster. Uh, You can also post on my Facebook page, which is John.Rook, R-O-O-K-E. And if you're not a friend, do me a favor. Because I think we all, if you've still got Facebook as as a social media thing, can you do me a favor and at least submit a friend request first? Because I get all these random things. You don't know who is really a football fan and who's a Patriots fan. and You don't know if you're getting somebody who's trying to scam you, which is probably more often than it isn't. And I have, you know, a, a good number of Facebook uh, friends, uh, and, and a lot of them have come from this show over the years. A lot of them have come from this show. And, you know, clearly, you know, some have stuck around, some have gone on. Probably some people didn't even realize they had a Facebook account, and they let it go dormant, which is fine. I mean, I think we all kind of do that. I, I'm not one of those people, though, that needs to, you know, uh, be completely and totally up to date with everything that's on social media. Um, I, 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 Ms. Robin would probably disagree with me on that one. But this is my way of finding out how you guys feel about certain things, you know, certain subjects, um, you know, certain trends, certain players, certain coaches, you know, certain things going on, you know, and I think so. that's a good way to stay plugged in because one of the lessons that I learned years ago when I first started doing, you know, talk radio was uh, that if you don't know what your audience is into, you're talking to nobody. You're talking to nobody. You have to understand what your audience wants to hear. That's the key. And so you got to play to that audience. I teach that, you know, uh, you know with my college students at, at Dean College, right down the street here in Franklin, Mass. Uh, that's, that's what we teach. you got to know your audience. 
In fact, I'm teaching talk show radio this next semester at Dean. And, you know, if you start by identifying who your listening base is and generally speaking, what they want to, you know, talk about, and you reach out to them. And, of course, years ago, the only way that, you know, really before the Internet, before social media came into play, the only way we had this was through the ratings. And we would subscribe to, you know, at the time it was Arbitron and Nielsen, and now it's just Nielsen. But, you know, you had to listen for the, wait for the ratings book. It would come out sometimes in the larger markets. It would come out monthly. Most markets in the country would come out quarterly uh, or seasonally. And you had to pay attention to the ratings and what they were telling you, what people wanted to talk about, what, you know, times of the day were they most tuned in, what times of the day were they least tuned in. And it was an imperfect science. We've act, we're actually able now to make it more perfect to your benefit as a listener. You're listening to this show, A, because you have a fondness for football and you probably have a fondness for the Patriots or at least, you know, hey, if you're a Buffalo fan and you're waiting for Vic Carucci coming up in just a few minutes, then, hey, uh, that's fine. That's cool. I love it. Bill's Mafia, show up, let's go. I'm, I'm ready to go, if you are, because we can certainly talk some football here. You don't have to be, um, uh, you know what, and I don't know, the, I don't know the answer to that. Faith, is she's sending me a message. So they, he didn't leave you a number? Is not, okay, is not right. Oh, boy. Okay. Did you get that from Matisse? Uh-oh. Can you text Matt? Text him. Okay, I realize he's probably on his deathbed, but, you know, text him anyway to say, yeah, yo, uh, what's the deal here? So, yeah, okay. Uh, anyway, thanks, Faith. So um, I, I guess um, the point here is is that uh, we, we, we want to identify what it is that you want to go with. And so I think those of you who are regular callers, those of you who are regular listeners, those of you who listen to this on podcast form, if you can't get to it on the live show, hey, that's great. That's why we developed the whole, you know, this is how podcasts got going, at least here on Patriots.com, because we realized not everybody could be here at the appointed time for the live broadcast, like a regular radio show. This is why radio stations now turn their own programming into podcasts, because we realize that it's a busy world. And we're all doing, we're all blowing and going, and a lot of us have long commutes. I got a long commute. I got a 50-minute commute to work every day. What better way to fill that time than, you know, plugging in a podcast? And that's a lot of times what I do. I listen to a little sports radio, might listen to a half an hour, you know, 40-minute podcast, and that's how I catch up on things. And we use social media constructively without, you know, necessarily hiding behind a keyboard and throwing pot shots at people. That, that's the part that really actually kind of disturbs me. But you know what? I realize that everybody does that, or a lot of people do that. Not everybody does that. So... It's a little different. All right. So until we can track Vic down, uh, Big Eldridge, Happy New Year, my friend. How are you? Happy New Year to you, uh, Mr. Legend. How you doing? I'm everything's good today, Eldridge. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. How was I'm Christmas? In a, an how? office. Christmas. Christmas is great. Yeah. Good. Good. I'm happy great. to hear yes, that. Sir. So you're in somebody's office today. Yours? So is that why we have the yep. hushed hushed tones. Yes, sir. That's why I'm at the hush tone. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> well, I don't want you to get in trouble with anybody now. No, I'm not in that trouble. I'm just uh, I'm at the doctor's office getting a physical. Oh, wow. It's one of those. This is the is this the annual checkup? Uh, yes, sir, Daniel. Yes, sir. All right. We got any issues we need to think about? Oh no. Other I'm than good. other yeah. than other than age. 
Yeah, age is about it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, trust me. I had to get down and uh, you know on the floor today underneath the, the Christmas tree, which you know the water spilled over, so water caught underneath the Christmas tree. You know where Miss Robin and I were trying to uh, you know uh, put the tree, moved it around, and trying to get back up off of the floor was damn near impossible today. I know. I almost I had. had that, I don't had instances a couple of times too, especially when getting out. Mm-hmm. Especially with back problems. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh mm-hmm. man. Mm-hmm. My my dad. My dad always told me back in the day. He said, "Boy, you never be young the rest of your life. You're gonna get older a little bit. So <laughs> tell me how long you get, get in out them sports cars. <laughs> keep getting there. I can't get out no more." <laughs> hey, by the way, thanks for speaking of sports cars. Thanks for sending the the pics of your of your vehicles. Sweetness. Sweet. Yes, sir. Uh, yeah, I had the wrong colors. <laughs> well, still sweet yeah, vehicle. I had the wrong colors. Great rides, yeah. dude. I'm, I listen. I'm jealous. Well, that's what I'll probably do when I when I get to be uh, of of a certain age. Uh, I, you know, Miss Robin won't like it, but you know, I'd love to have a a fire engine red uh, convertible, you know, or or believe it or not, a canary yellow one. But I, I just you know, I just for something there's something about that, even though uh, it, it's probably a, a speeding ticket waiting to happen, but. You know, honestly, I'd love to go back and do that again. I've had one convertible in my life. I had it back in my early uh, to mid-20s uh, when I was working in Texas, and um, it was uh, it was one of the best vehicles I ever had. Totally. So much fun. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's, uh, that red Firebird I yep. showed you, mm-hmm. uh, that's mm-hmm. a 2002. I had a 98 for 20-something years until somebody hit me uh, two years ago. Oh, damn. You know, Yes, sir. So I found one just like it. It's that red one. Yeah. I sent you a picture of. Yeah. So everybody swear it's the same car. So no, that's the V8 right there. Yeah. The 98 was a V6. <laughs> so, uh, wow. Sweet. It, it's still in pretty good condition. Gotcha. Yes, and then that, that, my Camaro is my toy. Gotcha. So that's my little toy. All right. The black one. Yes. Okay. All right. So tell me what's on your mind. I know we didn't come, you know, you're, you're in the doctor's office getting ready to, I hope there's nothing, you know, too probing today. Yes, sir. Um, <laughs> I don't. Uh, <laughs> me, me and Deuce had had a little had some words earlier. Really? And and Mac and Reese, you know, tomorrow. Well, we got the best they ever did it. Gonna you know, go back and redo the draft and and free agent all the money. I'm like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Really? From the last couple five years, are mm-hmm. you kidding me? Mm-hmm. No, no. You know, you hit on a couple draft draft choices, which is Barmore. You know, I like Stevens, Duggar. You know, Gonzalez got hurt. You know, Mafi and yeah, uh, Mapu, Mapu, but yeah, the, yeah, Marte Ryan. Mapu too. Yeah, I realize, yeah, yeah that yeah. you know, they're, yeah, yeah, yeah. the jury's still out on those guys, right? I mean, let's yeah, give them a little yeah, bit more but, than but, they're. But they get up there, yeah. But they showing something, you know. Gonzalez would been a steal or whatever. Yes, but that's like I said, that's that's a couple of picks in five years. Right, no, right. I don't want, I don't want him rebuilding. Uh, offensive side, he's not touching that. Yeah, you know. Because he can do the same thing, overpay over over wide receivers, over age wide receivers, you know, <laughs> get the top of line money, and they don't do top of line uh, results. I, I yeah, I understand. Yeah, yeah Eldred, I, I get that. Yeah. I understand that completely. Um, um, uh, hold on to that thought for just a second, though. And I realize you're at the doctor's office, and I appreciate you taking the time out of your your appointment day to do that. Uh, but I want to make sure that we have a little time to squeeze in uh, Vic Carucci here, because we're able to track down his phone number. Vic John Rook here in Foxborough. It's good to talk to you. Happy holidays, and thanks for making a little time for us today. Always a pleasure.
Great to be with you. Good, awesome. I, I, you know that I know that this game on Sunday means a hell of a lot more it does to the Bills than it does to the Patriots, um, and and I can't imagine that there would be any more incentive than you would find in Buffalo now, simply because of what transpired a couple of months ago and twenty nine to twenty five here in Foxborough. So, give me a reason why New England can win this game on Sunday. Is there one? Yes. Uh, and I think it, it applies to what we saw last Saturday night against, uh, well, I guess there's two reasons. So, you know, we got to start with the fact that the Patriots won the first game that these two teams met. And, and, and even then the discussion was Buffalo would lose that game if they found a way to lose it or mm-hmm. didn't close it out. Sure. That's what happened. And they did find a way to lose that game. So you can't take that off the table uh, until they prove otherwise. And, then the other thing is, again, go back to Los Angeles against the Chargers. Mm-hmm. Heavily favored Buffalo Bills team. Twelve and a half points, I believe, was the Vegas view of it. And they were obviously uh, down in the first 10-0 you know, at the, uh, in the first quarter. They, they kept the Chargers in the game throughout. And, I mean, eventually it got to the point where it, it got really dicey toward the end. Yep. And ultimately they win the game. But that's, you know, Easton Stick playing his second NFL game behind a very porous offensive line. Uh, they did uh, get a lot of pressure on him, which I think helped. But for all that pressure, five sacks, uh, the Bills, you know, shot themselves in the foot with uh, three turnovers, turnovers yeah. to no takeaways. So add that formula up against two also ran teams and you have that possibility that you asked me how can is there a way they can do it yeah I, you know they've found that way multiple times all right so they've done that now and as you mentioned uh, you know they've got themselves in position at the very least now for a wild card at nine and six sitting here so i i gotta imagine that you know th- this is like uh, all hands on deck anybody that's able to go has got to go because if we lose a game number one we kiss goodbye potentially our playoffs. Uh, I think Josh Allen even said that, did he not? This is our playoffs? Right. They have been, John, they've been in playoff mode uh, right along here these, these last couple of weeks. And uh, when they got themselves, it looked like after that Philadelphia loss, another game where they found a way to, to lose it when it was theirs for the taking. Uh, yeah, that, that became the discussion is from here on out, you know, any loss, could can effectively end the season, which is what a playoff game is all about. Right, uh, and I think they've played with that urgency for the most part. But uh, just what you said, yes, it's pushing your way through from an injury standpoint. But I think more than that, it's the mindset of pushing yourself through mentally. Because I, I don't, I don't know that we talk enough about how much of a mental toll uh, the, that the, these pressure games take, as much as a physical one. Well, I know the mental uh, is, is. I think uh, that's. Man, I, I honestly believe that can be more than, than the physical part. I realize this time of year, uh, the, the, the teams that are in the best physical shape are the ones that are probably going to emerge as true contenders when it comes to postseason honors. But the mental, when you're trying to struggle through all that, and we'll take the Patriots certainly as an instance here, because here's a team that's had to struggle with losing more than they've ever had to in recent memory. 
And uh, I, I know that that takes a toll on people because so many people are ready to turn the page that they want to throw, you know, Bill Belichick out with the baby's bathwater. And I'm not so sure that that's necessarily the right thing to do. Another discussion, discussion for another day. But it's the whole mental toll. You're, you're, you're so bogged down in the minute details of trying to get back to where you were. You don't realize what it is that you're doing in an effort to just get by the bad stuff. And I'm wondering how much of that Buffalo has really experienced over the last few weeks. Yeah, I, th- I think there's a lot of truth to that. Uh, this was a team that, you know, keep in mind, that, look, broaden the lens, and you've got a team that before this season was expected to be a Super Bowl right. contender. They right. were on the list. Right? Yeah, yeah. And when their start, you know, became what it was, I, I mean, it, it starts uh, obviously with that loss against the Jets that where they easily found a way to throw a game away. Uh, they, but they do rebound, go three and one, and then there's the six game malaise, and that's what we call it—the six games of, you know, like what is this team all about? And, and that Patriot loss was was part of that. Uh, Denver loss after they had given up 70 was part of that, and and then close wins against the Giants and Buccaneers that easily should have been, could have been losses. So you started to look at this team differently, like all the all the thoughts, all the expectations of what they were about. Um, it suddenly looked like, hey, maybe it was it, not maybe it was overrated, mm-hmm. and there's something seriously wrong with this team, and and especially the uh, the head of inside the head of the quarterback, and those doubts were creeping in to Allen. I mean, to the point where he was he was when he was having a press conference, he was making references that sounded like they were straight out of the playbook of a sports psychologist. You, <laughs> you know, you knew he was really. Having and, I, and I'm being serious, I, I some sort of therapy sessions, uh, which great, you know, people need, need help, get help. Uh, players, I know this is a, a very uh, uh, more, I, I think more so from, than the days, my earlier days, probably yours too, of covering the NFL where this was, or sports in general, where this was as much a topic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a big deal, and teams have the staffing that accounts for that, and, and, and it's great. Um, and I think that contributed to a lot of their issues. He was inside his own head, and I think maybe he's gotten outside of his head. Yeah, and that kind of sounds like some of the, the issues that, you know, that we certainly had here to perhaps a greater extent in, in Buffalo, than in Buffalo, but here in, in New England. And, and along those same lines, uh, Vic, is I know that Buffalo has played uh, dangerously close to the way New England has played most of this year because of penalties and turnovers really being an issue over the last, you know, few weeks where this team has kind of found itself going up, up and down like like the uh, uh, the thermometer and, and, and the temperature. And, and so... Uh, I, that has to be at the core issue of, of getting this team to have some success here is limiting those things and getting get to be able to get back on track. Yeah, it, you know, it's sort of like a double-edged sword, John, in the in this sense. You've got Josh Allen where when he's throwing uh, and, and, and running for touchdowns and, and getting that accumulation of 40, uh, you know, really may, uh, his production being – uh, so great that you say, okay, uh, you'll take that. But with that comes the the bad, which is you put the ball up in the air that many times. You you try to uh, you know to make those big plays. Um, in the course of doing that, you're going to have uh, the turnovers. Now you you know that sounds like excuse making for the turnovers, but he's been as guilty as anyone of that. I I still think that it's it's fair to say you, you take that with as long as you're getting the, the opposite side the, the touchdown production yep. um, and then the other thing is 
just being, um, you know, being more disciplined. When you're turning it over in, in week 16, week 17, guess what? Uh, that's, that's, that, that doesn't cut it. And, no. and I'm sure when I, you know, I think of Bill Belichick uh, as, as a classic, classic example of a coach who will say, you know, this deep in the year, uh, you don't get away with doing that. And if you do, then you're going to be off the field. Sure. But before I lose sight of it, Vic, what are your thoughts on Bill Belichick's future in New England? If you could offer up a, a thought or an opinion just based on your experiences with him and what you've seen of the Patriots this year from afar? Yeah, I, I mean, I find it to be probably the most fascinating story of the NFL, about uh, that? frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean that. Uh, that we're having a discussion about the future of the coach who has been part of so much legendary success. Um, I, I mean, if we just carve out the New England portion of it, uh, you know, it's it's staggering to think that there could be any doubt. In my mind, um, you know, he's the definition of of great coaching and, and will always be seen as uh, the greatest to ever do it. I also know, and I've been around long enough to see the end come for the greatest uh, mm-hmm. with their teams generally, but in his case, uh, you know, I can see if he if he desires if 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 he's if he and the Patriots part ways and he desires to continue coaching, who who isn't going to want him to take over? I know it's not going to be every team that that would probably give him exactly what he, what he wants, or or maybe they would. But I I you know I kind of know and you know how ownership thinks when it comes to this. You want to make the splash move and and. Um, how how much how how much more you know you if quarterback if great quarterbacks like the Peyton like the Tom Brady's the Peyton Manning's uh, the Russell Wilsons uh, get those se- second opportunities mm-hmm. uh, to to go elsewhere uh, the great coaches do too Sean Payton uh, being being on that list but but Belichick is really on a I don't know on a planet all to himself and uh, seeing how this will play out is is really going to fascinate me um but i know that you know my regard for him is, is you know is always been high and uh any opportunity i've had to spend time with him through the years uh it's an education it, it's uh you know it's the master class in in football and uh and and you know you to go back to the beginning of this conversation when you asked me on that list of things that could happen mm-hmm. that that you you say but you know where buffalo could uh could lose a game like this. Mm-hmm. Coaching's going to be a, a big part of that, and and we don't even have to say why. <laughs> <laughs> well, it kind of leads into what I was going to ask you next. How safe is Sean McDermott at this stage of the game? Does this team need to get in and have success postseason-wise, or is, or is he on the hot seat? I Look, I don't think he's on any hot seat. I do think that the, the if they if they miss the playoffs and, the, you know, the percentages keep – I don't know if we listen to whatever the the New York Times uh, calculators tell us. It's approaching ninety percent. But mm-hmm. let's let's say that happens. Um, which how does it happen? You lose Sunday, and then you turn around and and, and go ahead and lose against the uh, uh, the Dolphins in the in the finale. Uh, I, certainly, there will be questions about what the state of this team, and and he folds into that. Um, the fact that he's got a contract extension that he received before the season that carries him through 2027, uh, I don't think it's going to change any thinking on the part of Terry Pagula, the owner of the team, because uh, coaching money, uh, 
as crazy as it sounds, the millions that are spent on coaches is like monopoly money for <laughs> owners of teams because there's no cap involved and they mm-hmm. move on. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, but I'll, but I, I don't think that's even in danger of happening, at, at least not this year. Uh, there is a business component on the table because they're building a new stadium and they're going to need uh, a lot of uh, Terry Pagula is going to need upwards of a half a billion dollars of his own money to pay the balance per the agreement that the state of New York and, and public money has accounted for about $1.4 billion, but the price tag is going to easily, I think, reach uh, close to $2 billion once it's wow. all said done and it's supposed to open in 2026. So you've got two years of selling seat licenses and all the, all the other uh, selling around this team uh, that I think that needs to be robust. W- will it be as robust? if people have doubts about who's coaching the team. Sure, and that's a reasonable question. We all know it's a big-time business. Uh, that's why the Patriots are valued at $7 billion right now because of the business sense that the that the Crafts have. Final one for you, then, and then, then Vic. Vic, I, I just – listen, I mentioned, you know, playoffs still in play. Shoot, they beat the Patriots this week, and then it's man-on-man with the Miami Dolphins for the AFC East Championship. So right. that's not incentive for – you know, a team to, to shoot for, I'm not sure what else it could be. You know, John, I sit here and say the same thing, that can there be even be an, a scintilla of doubt about how motivated this team would be, um, you know, to, to play and win that game Sunday and win and, and, you know, like you said, set up the following week. But I'm also the same guy who had had no doubt that after, even after as shaky as they look, beating the Dolphins in the wild card round, last January uh, and then turning around a week later, divisional round, divisional round game against Cincinnati and not showing up and having the players say, you know, basically they were a flat team. What, you know, it, it just didn't compute. So mm-hmm. short, I mean, I, I, I guess in, in my mind, you never say never about anything, but it would just stun me if uh, that happens again. <laughs> Right at this point, right. right. Yeah. I, listen, I'm I'm 100 on that one. How's the the overall health? I mean, I think we realize that you've got some guys that are are down, uh, and uh, of course, every team does. It's a war of attrition by this time of year. Uh, as far as the guys who are questionable, are there likely to be any returnees for the, at this stage of the game? Yeah, the, the guy I'm you know looking at is Daquan Jones coming back okay. from that. Uh, you know, he he had the. Um, uh, pectoral injury uh looks like you know he could be back from that um i I think micah hyde and aj epinesa still some questions about them limited work and practice there uh so we'll see how that all goes um but that's you know those are those are some important areas but but still i would i would say this to you the defense um played well you know the defense even with injuries and and the big ones that aren't going to change Micah Hyde and and all those uh Tredavious White the guys who I don't see returning at all even for the postseason I I think they've weathered that thing remarkably well and they had they had another you know it was a a big time performance again against a uh, a backup quarterback and a a bad offensive line but Um, last I checked, I think they're going up against maybe another backup this week in a team that has <laughs> a questionable offensive line. Yeah. 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 So. I, uh, like I said, two peas in a pod. It's just that there might be a few more peas in the pod in Buffalo right now. That's kind of how I look <laughs> yeah. at it. 
That's probably a fair assessment, John. Vic, thank you so much again for today. Happy New Year to you and yours, and continued success to you, my friend. I look forward to visiting again all too, uh, uh, all too often again in the future. There you go. All right. Take care, John. Happy New Year to you and yours. Too. Appreciate you. You betcha. Vic Carucci, at V-I-C-C-A-R. Uh, I want to make sure that I spell it right. C-A-R-U-C-C-I. There you go. Vic Carucci is where you can find him on uh, on X.com. Vic's um, career, uh, and, and we met, good Lord, I think I was still covering the Cowboys and the Oilers when I was in Texas when we first met, and he was, I think, at the time working for the Sporting News, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I may be off base on that one, but I think that's – so we are talking about back in the 80s, and then when I moved to New England and Vic was covering uh, uh, the NFL for the Sporting News – and then he moved on to NFL.com and worked for the league uh, for a while before he came back locally and started working more for Buffalo. Now he works, generally speaking, for um, WGRZ's website, Channel 2 in Buffalo, as a contributor uh, both on the air and on their website uh, covering the Buffalo Bills. And so he's covered the, the National Football League for well over 40 years. And uh, he's been a good friend and certainly knows more about the Bills, I think, than just about anybody else that I can possibly think of at this stage of the game. And so we want to know what it's really like going on in Buffalo. Carucci's the guy that you got to talk to. And that's why we bring him into the playbook uh, whenever the Patriots, uh, and he's available, whenever the Patriots have the Buffalo Bills. Look, let's, let's look at it this way. I mean, um, I realize, you know, you're 4-11. And those that, you know, are, you know, still of the opinion that, you know, tanking, losing is still the best route to go. Um, you're not going to win this game. And you probably wouldn't care if you won this game or not. Now, look, the competitor in me is not going to settle for that. And in, truth be known, the competitor in you is probably not going to settle for that. I know the competitor and the guys down the hallway here at Gillette, they would definitely not settle for that. So I'm not even sure why, you know, the word tank has gotten into the lexicon. You know, I I wrote this you know earlier this week. Uh, you know, and I I'll be honest. Uh, I think you could pull it off, and and it was rumored to be an issue back in the the '80s, which is why the whole draft lottery started in the NBA because teams were losing games on purpose. The Houston Rockets, particularly the team that I'm talking about, if you know anything about your sports history, um, they were the team accused of tanking in order to be able to go get uh, you know Ralph Sampson and then Akeem Olajuwon, and 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 so they were. You know, th- they weren't losing games on purpose, but they were throwing out teams that really didn't have a chance to compete, couldn't compete at a high level. And it's so much easier to do that when you have a 12 or 13 player roster, let's say in pro basketball, than it is when you have 53 on your roster here. You can't control what you think you can control. That's what's at issue here. So to think, oh, they, just, they shouldn't win these games. We need them to lose these games so we get a better draft pick. It doesn't work like that. You have competitors. You have people who are out there at practice now busting their you-know-whats in order to try to be better and make more money and make more opportunity for themselves. Just like, you know, when you're at work, if you love your job and you're blessed enough to love your job, aren't you giving 100%? You should be if you're not. If you're not, maybe that's part of what's wrong with this country today. I don't know. I'm just I'm just being honest here. If you love what you do, you're going to bust your tail. These guys love what they do. They're going to bust their tail. And if someone came to them and said, "Hey, I need you to miss that tackle on purpose," or "Hey, I need you to you know flop," or "Hey, I need you to you know not make that catch," or no, no, it's not your butt that's on the line. I missed that catch. 
That's film on me that gets out there to another team that might be willing to hire me when I need a job. No. It's ridiculous. The word that I used earlier in this show, asinine. Look it up. That's what it is. And I know there are so many. I've had conversations on, on, on Twitter with so many of you uh, and, and several of you and, and, and on other forms as well. You know, where like, you know, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. You're an idiot. You don't know what you're talking about. And you've never strapped on a jock strap either. And you certainly have not played the game at a high enough level to even sniff the NFL outside of, you know, buying popcorn at the concession stand. No, these guys don't think like that. These coaches don't think like that. I don't know what else to tell you. It's fun to think about because it fits our narrative. You know, if they lost this game, we would have a better chance at a higher draft pick or a lower draft pick, depending on your point of view. So ah, I'm going to root for them to lose. Okay, that fits your narrative. And then when they don't lose, you get all upset. Well, of course, yeah, that's going to happen because these guys are competitors. They play football to win at football. The saying that I use, and I used to have this argument with, you know, Eric Scalavino when it comes to resting players, you know, when, when this team was going through, you know, um, getting to the playoffs and, and, and they can't improve or, or they can't lower their, their what you know, the slot that they're in. So if you get another game to play, you rest your starters, right? Um, and, you know, and, 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 and the argument that I used to have with, with Eric was, he said, well, they should rest the starters, right? Eric Scalabino, you guys remember Eric. And um, I'm like, no, no. Football players play football. And that's the case here. Football players play football. I think it sounds in theory like, okay, you know, let's not take a chance on somebody getting hurt. But football in and of itself is a violent sport. Football in and of itself is physical. So there's always going to be an inherent danger anytime you get out on the field for an active snap. Anything can happen. Now, does that mean that you have to keep putting that person back in there? No. Maybe you play a quarter. Maybe you play half. Why do you think so many guys, so many regulars don't play in the preseason? Because they're meaningless games. And sometimes when you've clinched all you're going to clinch, it becomes a meaningless game. But there's also something to fine-tuning. There's also something to ramping up. There's also something to creating momentum. Or, in the regular season, keeping momentum. Because we've seen teams pull starters out and then have zero success when they come back in because they've messed with chemistry. Generally speaking, I don't think you want to mess with things that are working. But you need to have at least some foresight. Okay, if you're in a game that's meaning nothing and maybe you want to get a few reps in, you know, kind of like the preseason, let them get a few reps in and then pull them so you don't put extra stress and pressure on keeping people healthy. I hope that makes some sense because that's really the basis of my thought here. They're not going to tank. They're never going to tank. And anybody that got actually, you know, uh, accused of tanking, uh, first of all, it, it would be damn near impossible in the league to tank. You can't say that about the Washington Commanders. Somebody said, well, they gave up their, you know, two defensive starters. So you can't tell me that Washington is not tanking. Washington hasn't had near the success that New England has had. So there's really nothing to tank there. Okay? 
Washington is looking toward the future. They're trying to improve their organization to the point where they're building. So they let pieces that didn't feel like they would be able to re-sign go. So that way they can create a better base on which to build from. They're not losing on purpose to get a higher draft pick. Washington knows they're going to have a high draft pick, just like the Patriots. They're going to get one, too. Let's say the Patriots lose this weekend and then beat the Jets. And there's a chance they could lose both games. But let's just say that happens. So this team is 5-12. and 12. If you looked at the standings lately, where does that put this team at 5-12? and 12? Probably puts them somewhere around 4, 5, or 6. And when you consider what they need, and the needs are plenty, just because they're not going to get maybe potentially a Caleb Williams or a Drake May, or even the Williams kid at wide receiver, just because, you know, I mean, uh, Marvin Harrison at wide receiver. Um, okay. I mean, they're not 100% locks. They're going to be successful. So I wouldn't get my underwear all bunched up just because you're not going to get one of those two quarterbacks or that stud receiver. You still have to have a penchant for identifying talent that will fit your system. And we don't even know what kind of a system the Patriots are going to have right now. So it sounds almost ludicrous to think, oh, we need to lose more so we get a higher draft pick. Well, you don't even know who that higher draft pick is going to be because you're not 100% sure who's going to coach this team and what the philosophy is going to be. So why would you want to continue losing? I, I, it just it defies description. And I realize that I'm talking to a stone wall with many of you. I get it. I understand that. There are a lot of you that think I'm off my rocker. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'm just trying to present it to you from the point of 40-plus years of covering the National Football League, which is longer than many of you have been alive. Okay? Does that make me old? I think it makes me seasoned <laughs> seasoned elder did you get into the doctor's office yes i'm still here oh and my matter God. of fact uh doc was laughing because he heard you on, on the end of my head because <laughs> <laughs> i told him I said, we've been talking about 15 years and uh like i said now uh-uh this, this is one of my best friends right here oh you know, we go odds uh, we, we go elbow to elbow at sometimes oh. we go knee to knee I love you. you know, uh, you're, so you're, we don't always agree. Yeah, I know. That's fair. Well, we don't have to agree to be friends, okay? And that's what I yes, love sir. about our relationship, okay? So I know you had something else you wanted to say. So before we get off to, you know, Mr. Baxter here, uh, tell me again what was on your uh, your thought process before I interrupt you for Vic. Uh, that, that he that he can do it again. He can re- no, uh, no, sir. Uh, it's time, like like everybody said, take the bandage off. Go. Okay, so you want you definitely want the Patriots to rip off the Band-Aid and start fresh, sir. You starting fresh anyway because my, my biggest fear is, okay, let's say he stays and keep everything he is. People say, well, I already got the quarterback, that's Zappy, mm-hmm. and I'm going to trade down and try to be, get the players that he want again. And you still got the same problem you had for the last five years: no compound offense. You don't have that outside receiver. Uh, are you good at trying to get slot guys? But then again, you know, or you can pay them over overage veteran wide receivers again, and you still back at the same spot. You you had a, a fifteen uh, ranked quarterback. You didn't help him in three years. You didn't put nobody around him uh, to help him to, to groom him, whatever. And you know, it's, it's the same as narrative. It's my system is what my system is. It ain't about what the players to be or what can make that team better. 
Okay. You know, shoot, you had the greatest quarterback of all time. You helped him out one time, mm-hmm. and like I said, that back in 2007, mm-hmm. you know, you gave him what he needed. But after that, that's it. Like I said, you started what everybody doing now. Mm-hmm. Doing good, right, fast, wide receivers, and tied in, and a, a compatible defense, you know, quarterback that can sing it and put points on the board. You started it. But then you want to go back in the, in the, in the Stone Age again, mm-hmm. you know. And they ain't playing it like that this, this time around. You know, guys are faster. Rivals receivers are developing a whole lot faster in the first round. Then, you know, you can find some in the sixth or seventh, but we ain't good at finding the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, or whatever. You know, you might find one with pop depth this time, but that's about it. And you ain't got nobody that develops. Well, there's a you lot. Know, there's so. a lot. Of, there's a lot of truth to what you're saying, uh, uh, Eldred. And and I would tell you that I, I, we don't really disagree. I think we disagree on the the direction GM on which. Part. Yeah. Well, yeah, the GM part. Well, not maybe not even because I would tell you that I'm of the opinion that Bill needs help. I don't think Bill necessarily doesn't need to be a part of it. I think he should still have a say. It's a team effort. But I think he needs help. And, and what I was talking about with Mike Reese early in the program, I think is, is probably closer to the truth than a lot of people realize. And he needs to have, you know, look, Bill wants to coach some more. And, and I don't think he's ready to give it up. And I think what he does need to do, though, what he does need to do is potentially realize that there is going to be a future post Bill Belichick. And that's what Mr. Kraft and Jonathan Kraft need to focus on here and now. And so we got to figure out a way to make both of these things work. So how do we do that? We bring in Bill some help with some guidance toward the future, but still let him coach. And if Bill is agreeable to that, Bill's going to stay. If Bill is not agreeable to that, Bill's going to go. And I really believe it's no more difficult than that. (laughs) It sounds good, though, but no. That that man been building for twenty three years the way he wanted. True. Ain't no way he ain't no way he gonna sit back there. You might be and right. Another GM to come in. Okay, let's say let's say for argument's sake, this GM come in and say, okay, Zappy, we, we could trade uh we could trade Matt Jones to get a second or a third, you know, get him out the way. Okay, I got extra second. I'm gonna go and, and uh, if if I'm there, if I'm there at, at four. I'm going to get me a quarterback, mm-hmm. you know. Then I got two picks in, in the second round. I'm going to get me a wide receiver. I'm going to get me a tackle. This this, this draft court, draft team uh, class this year is good as quarterbacks. You got four or five at the top. You got about five, maybe three or four later round. But it's top wide receiver heavy. Uh, after deep, after a left tackle, you got the top two. But third, fourth, second, third, fourth round, you can find some good tackles in there too. Yeah, I, I hope you're right. I just think the the draft overall, Eldred, is such a is such a crapshoot. I mean, we've we've yeah, we we've said this about you know past draft classes, and they still didn't get somebody, which is why I, I you know or somebody that they could. Well, maybe, and that's why I'm saying the whole the whole thing slides on whether or not he's going to accept assistance. And I think this is where, again, talking with Mike earlier, this is where maybe you get some of the old band back together. Maybe you bring back a guy like, uh, you know, uh, uh, Josh. Or maybe you bring back, you know, some help, you know, like, uh, um, oh, the, the, the GM there that was in Vegas Ziegler. with him. Yes, Dave Ziegler. And, and so, and, and maybe you put some of these pieces of the puzzle back in an effort to put this team on better footing when Bill actually is wanting to step down, and I feel like we're about a year, maybe two, away from that. Okay, can I ask you a question? Sure. Who's doing the picking? It ain't, he ain't going to let one of them do it. Uh, I, so who's going to do the picking? You're right. Okay, that's a fair question. <laughs> fair question. That's my point. Okay. 
<laughs> okay. You're making my point. Okay. <laughs> hey, Eldred, happy New Year to you, my friend, and I hope everything happy works New out there at the, uh, at the at at the the doctor's office. I hope nothing's serious. I hope it's, you know, make All sure right. you keep that blood pressure down, okay? Well, oh, I, I never had no high blood pressure. Good I for you. Did. Good for you. 118 over 72. Nice. Okay. 118, yes, 118 over 72? Yes, sir. Damn, you're almost dead, brother. Not really. <laughs> you are still pumping. Uh, happy New Year, my friend. Let, let's, we'll, we'll do it again soon, all right? All right. Thank you. You got it. Oh, my goodness. Love that guy. He's the best. He's an absolute best. She's waiting. She's got it. Here it comes. A yes. real woman could stop you from drinking. It has to be a real big woman. It's time to go around the NFL with football guru Russell Baxter. Now on, your name is Flounder. On Patriots Playbook. Flounder. Way to go, Faith. I had Faith, right? Absolutely. Uh, I hope you had a great Christmas, Mr. Baxter, and Happy New Year to you, my friend. And Happy New Year. And uh, as I explained to Faith, it's always a good Christmas when I don't get stuck in the chimney. Yeah. <laughs> I was right. that very comforting. Yes, um, yes, I, always. I have to jump back to something I heard Eldridge say. Okay. And I'll get your thoughts. Okay. Do you honestly believe you would get a second or third round draft choice for Matt Jones? No. Neither do I. I think I, I, I think we might, if you're lucky, you might get a fourth you might get a fourth. Right. Uh, and, and if you can get a four and, and you're able to do that, maybe you make that move. But that's still gonna, it's still going to be high criticism, which is why I'm more likely to keep Mac around than to trade him away, at least right now. Maybe that changes with different leadership if that happens or different GM if that happens here. But I'd still be more likely to keep him on a rookie contract. Oh, absolutely. And also with the chance of him getting a different coach and a different philosophy and improving his performance, which would also improve his market value. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, yeah. you can't, I mean, you, you can't throw away players like they're paper towels. Right. Okay? Right. So, you know, I, I know fans can be very impulsive and so on. Trade this, trade that, trade this, trade that. This just in, make sure you find another team in the league that actually wants to have a trade with you. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, I hear that a lot. Oh, tra- trade him for this, trade him for that. To who? Yeah. For what? Park place him in, in the boardwalk? Right. Right. By the way, just sort of along the same lines, how surprised were you that the Broncos were dumping on Russell Wilson today? I, I, I was surprised. Um, they still have an outside shot at the playoffs. I understand why they're doing it financially. Uh, but I, I was just telling my friend Kelly Morey, who run, helps – my goodness, she should get all the credit for running football past and present seriously on mm-hmm. Facebook. Yep. She does a great job with all the content on there. Mm-hmm. Um, the beauty of the NFL and the beauty of sports is you never know what's going to happen. As much as people like to look at schedules, and we've been down this path before, easy game, easy game. Win-loss, it's the old, you know, Mike Francesa, Chris Russo, get the schedules and forecast the season before it's even played. Mm-hmm. Who would have told you that roughly a week ago, New England would go into Denver, beat the Broncos, <laughs> and Russell would lo- Wilson would lose his job. Right. No, no one, no one would have predicted that. Nobody. No, because Denver was supposedly surging, and 
still had a shot because of the, who they closed the season with, you know? Who yep. they closed the season with, you know? New England, for all its warts this year and for all the disappointing season that it has been, because of what they've done on the road the last couple of times they've been out there, they might wind up being the team that keeps Denver and Pittsburgh out of the playoffs. Right. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I just thought, you know, hey, um, I just thought it was unusual. I mean, I guess, um, uh, you know, that's an awful lot of dead money, uh, apparently, on his mm-hmm. contract that uh, they would be, you know, cutting loose of. But, again, you know, at some point in time, you do have to kind of uh, turn your attention to the immediate future if you realize, you know, the, the guy that's out there isn't part of your long term, which is, I guess, kind of what the Patriots did when they decided to sit Mac Jones and and they let Bailey Zappi kind of handle it for now because you want to see what you have with Zappi. And I think what the Patriots have found over the last three weeks is that you have somebody here that could very well be serviceable, uh, if not as a starter, then certainly as a, a backup that might be able to give you what you need from your backup, which is oftentimes a jump of energy. Well, and a backup in the league now where we're going through quarterbacks, like I go through, you know, Doritos, okay? <laughs> And, you know, look at all, you know, Sam Howell bench this week for Jacoby Brissett. Uh, Tyrod Taylor is starting this week, you know, so much for Tommy DeVito. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. and good story. But, you know, they're a different team with Tyrod Taylor in there. And so, sure. to be completely honest. Sure they are. So, um, we're seeing this around the league. It's been a big year in terms of the backup quarterbacks. And so on, as it was last year, we had, you know, 69 different starters last year. We're, we're creeping up to that number. There's still a little ways to go and so on. Um, but, yeah, you know, teams that are in the habit of getting rid of good and solid football players are treading water yeah. for years. Yeah. Okay? And, um, you know, it's funny, John, because you said this reminds you of what they did with Mac Jones. This kind of reminds me of what happened late last year with Josh McDaniels and Derek Carr. Mm-hmm. Same mm-hmm. situation. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're going to sit him. And correct me if I'm wrong, that was Jared Stidham that closed out the season for the Raiders. Yeah. And guess who's getting ready to close out the season for the Broncos? <laughs> Jared Stidham. Jared Stidham. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and and honestly, it's because you kind of know what you have in Stidham. But maybe yeah. the Broncos don't realize that. They want to see what he can do for them, even though we kind of have an idea who Jared Stidham is. And I think that's what the Patriots really have discovered here. Now we're learning what we really have in Bailey Zappi. And, okay, maybe he's not, you know, the next Tom Brady or, you know, not even the next Joe Flacco. But at the same time, he might be the next Joe Flacco. Although what I, I mentioned this year on the show, what, you know, he's given the Browns is, I think, one of the uh, the true gems of the NFL season over the last few weeks, you know, since they basically picked him up off of his, what, living room couch, whatever it was. So, um, you know, and they've got the, the Jets at home uh, on Thursday uh, in the in the Thursday game this week. But um, uh, I, I think, I, you, wanna, you, you want somebody that can be serviceable and I think right. that's where we are with a lot of teams right now. You know, it's funny. If I remember right, a year ago, Joe Flacco was the opening day starter for the Jets. That's right. Okay. Opening now, day starter. Now he's on the other he sideline. The Browns in the playoffs yep. for the win tomorrow night. Yep. That's a great story. You want to talk yeah. about? You want to talk about a, a, a full one eighty? That's a that's a one hundred and eighty right there. Right, and they and, and it's, you know watching them play, and I was actually. You know, pointing this out in, in a piece I'm writing, I think um, 
they're a team that has a terrific defense. We know that, number one ranked. Mm-hmm. Um, took some body blows with their run defense, but they're back to being top ten. Um, they have turned over the ball 32 times in 15 games. Oof. And they're 10 and 1. Yeah, well, that's that's an amazing number in spite of themselves, right? Now, it also helps that they have 25 takeaways. Mm. Okay, they're kind of like Jacksonville. Yeah, so it mitigates a lot of the, yeah, And all those giveaways and stuff. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. That's just kind of, you know, what it is. I think that's, to be honest with you, it's kind of life in the AFC North where you have four, you know, you, all four teams, including the Bengals, are all pretty good. I mean, think about this. Baltimore has 26 takeaways. Cleveland has 25, Pittsburgh has 24, and Cincinnati has 23. That's that's ball hawking on defense is what that is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, the, the one thing that uh, I guess I'm looking forward to uh, the most outside of the, the, the Patriots and seeing what, what they might give us on, on New Year's Eve, though, uh, the Thursday game, the Jets playing at the Browns, and then the, the, uh, the Saturday game on uh, December the 30th, the Lions playing at the Cowboys. Now, I, I just I root for a good story. I know you you root a lot of the time for the, the the story as well, but I'm rooting for the Jets. Excuse me, I'm rooting. I would never root for the Jets. I'm sorry, I misspoke. I'm rooting for the Browns and the Lions uh, to be the Super Bowl teams. You know, we talked about that. I, I mean, it would be a throwback, um, obviously, to the '50s when they were. The, I think I want to say the Browns won three NFL titles. Yes, in the old AAFC. Yes, yes, yes. Right. You know, they won, they won the four titles in the AAFC, and then they joined the NFL and won three titles in the NFL mm-hmm. in the 50s. But the Lions, I believe, also won three titles in the NFL in the 1950s. They, mm-hmm. most, time, most times than not, they played each other mm-hmm. for the title. Mm-hmm. Um, now, of course, the Browns haven't – I mean, the Lions haven't won a title since 57. The Browns haven't won a title since 64. Mm-hmm. They're two of the four franchises that haven't been to the Super Bowl. Uh Detroit's going to play a home playoff game for the first time in 30 years. Um, the Browns can get in the playoffs like we already said if they win. Now, they did win a playoff game three years ago, so, it, you know, can't ignore that. But just a very intriguing team. And, you know, think about it. They're both led, and if you know me, I don't go overly nuts on quarterbacks like some other people do and so on. But you have two quarterbacks with Super Bowl experience. With Jared Goff, when they lost to the Patriots, mm-hmm. but Joe Flacco was the Super Bowl champion yep. when the Ravens beat the 49ers. Correct, yeah. So, very, very intriguing storylines that way. So, I love it. I love it. It's a great storyline. I, I mean, if you're just a football fan and you don't have a team in the hunt, how could you not root for that? Yes, I agree. I totally agree with you and so on. It would be something different. Uh, it would be, you know, obviously very different because these franchises – haven't been there. I mean, you know, CBS is going to have to dig up a lot of black and white tape for that. For that <laughs> right. They're going to have to. We're going to have to go find some. Uh, uh, let's see. Let's think of it. Uh, we have to find some. Um, oh gosh, uh, some Leroy Kelly. Uh, might yep. have to have to break out some old Jim Brown. Uh, you know, uh, how about? Ooh, can can we bring back some Greg Landry highlights from the Detroit Lions? Oh, Bobby Lane! What am I talking about? Bobby Lane! Let's get some Bobby Lane highlights. What do you Lem think? Lem Barney. That's another one too, right? There was another one. The guy who went to the Hall of Fame a couple of years ago, Alex Karras. Karras, yes, hundred percent, right? Alex Karras. Yep. 
And now <laughs> CBS probably has a better better chance of digging up the honeymooners episodes, right? Than they do, you know, because I think the honeymooners. Uh, I, I, I saw a Jackie Gleason interview recently. His the first year they were on the air was '51, which. That was the the Rams won the NFL title in 1951. Actually, they beat the Browns in the title game. Okay. Okay. So, I'm dating myself, but uh, <laughs> like you, you're seasoned. You may be seasoned. I'm old hyphen er. <laughs> old hyphen er. Yes, that's correct. Yes. Seasoned, that's yes, but old er. All right. So yeah. let's take a look at a couple of other games then. You know, for this uh, you know week because you know obviously it, it, there's uh, huge implications all the way around. Not the least of which would be the Bills because if the Bills can beat the Patriots, which they didn't do obviously a couple of months ago, Patriots mm-hmm. it's one of their four wins, uh, winning here in Foxborough. But if the Bills can win at home, then it sets up potentially a winner take all for the AFC East against the Dolphins in week 18. Although the Dolphins, you know, I mean, let's face it, um, you know, uh, they got their hands full, I think, with the Ravens this week, but they don't need to beat Baltimore to still be able to play for the AFC East title. No, no question about it. And, uh, you know, they, they are headed to the playoffs. Okay. So, uh, but they haven't won the division title. Since 2008, and need I remind you, or I'm sure I don't, Mm -hmm. of a little shootout between those two teams last year in week two when Baltimore was blowing Miami out Mm -hmm. and 42-38 at Baltimore. The Dolphins beat them last year. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Tyree killed with two bombs late in the game. That's a shocker, right? Yeah. Baltimore's uh, early, at least I'm looking at it here, three-and-a-half-point favorite at home against yeah, the Dolphins. Oh, listen, it'll be fun. Now, but I will say Baltimore's off a short week. They are playing at home. Okay, I get all that. Miami is, you know, this whole they haven't beaten, you know, who they – sometimes I hear our, our brethren talk more about who teams haven't beaten mm-hmm. rather than who they've beaten. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I was impressed with Miami last week in the fact that it was a close game and there was real no panic on their part. Right. Um, and they've made the play. And listen, they settled for a lot of field goals. and But they got the job done against a quality opponent. Right. And, you know, and again, they kicked a lot of field goals, five field goals by Jason Sanders. Um, they played the last couple of minutes perfectly. They got benefit of penalty and so on. But still... That was an impressive win for a game that could have very easily gotten away from them, especially after Dallas scored with like less than four minutes left. Right, sure was. Mm-hmm. Hey, we got a ton of eight and seven teams that, you know, for varying for you know at varying degrees playing for something this week to stay either in or put them in charge of potential you know spots in the playoffs. You know, uh, when we get around to it in a couple of weeks, uh, there's even a couple of seven and eights that I guess probably statistically might have an opportunity. But you got the Colts at eight and seven. Uh, they're home against the Raiders. Uh, you have the Bucks at eight and seven, home against the seven and eight Saints. Uh, the Jags are eight and seven, and, and they've kind of uh, faltered of late. Trying to hold on to some kind of momentum, the Texans as well. How about the Steelers playing at the Seahawks and both teams, eight and seven? Yeah, and um, you know that was one of the surprises of last week. Pittsburgh putting thirty-four points on right? the board, yeah, with, with a new quarterback, and you know maybe Seattle wins twenty to seventeen. 
I know they won last week, twenty to seventeen. Mm-hmm. I know they week won the week before, twenty to seventeen. So, <laughs> right to back twenty to seventeen wins. And by the way, back to back comeback victories. They drove down the field ninety something yards against the Eagles last week against Tennessee on mm-hmm. the road uh, with two different quarterbacks. Drew Locke was the Eagles. Geno Smith last week. So, uh, yeah, that's a, it's, it's an intriguing card in the sense that. There's not a lot of divisional games, John. Only five divisional games this week. Nope. Um, and all rematches, obviously. And by the way, in case you're wondering, we've seen 27 two-game sets so far this year. Wait, say that again? You've seen 27 what? In other words, two teams in the division oh. have already played each other twice. Twice, yes. Okay. Okay, so yeah. if you're looking for a pattern, good luck. Yeah. There mm-hmm. have been 14 sweeps. And there have been 13 splits. splits. All right. See, that makes a lot of sense. And, and the other 8-7 and seven I didn't mention uh, might be the most attractive game of the entire weekend. Cincinnati 8-7 and seven playing at 9-6 and six Kansas City. And, and the Chiefs, all of a sudden, 4-4 four and four at home. They're at home this week. The Chiefs look vulnerable. Yeah, I would say that's an understatement. Um, and they look baffled. Yep. Um, and, you know, if They've had problems with Cincinnati. I think the last four games between these teams, including a couple of playoffs, all been decided by three points. Now, obviously, Joe Burrow is not playing. Um, and I, I will say this. If, if the Chiefs offense can't get well against the 31st-ranked defense in the league, I, I, I don't know what to tell you. Here's what I know. Um, only twice since Andy Reid's been the head coach, John, have they lost six regular season games? Um, well, this is, I, actually, this would be the third time, okay? The last time was 2017 when they eventually um, uh, lost the playoff game, I believe, to the to the Patriots yeah. in 2017. Yeah, yeah. And then New England beat Jacksonville and then, and then lost the Super Bowl and so on. Mm-hmm. But Andy Reid, when we had – this is only the third time in his – and by the way, with two, think about this. With two weeks to play, the Chiefs are not in the playoffs and certainly have not won the AFC West. Correct. Okay, and they've won the AFC West seven years in a row. So, something. I mean, watching that the other day, for lack of a better word, was almost uncomfortable. <laughs> watching them, um, you know, I don't know, finger pointing is the word and so on, but there just seemed to be a lot of bad communication going on for a team and, and something more than just wide receivers not doing this and wide receivers not doing that pan you know panicky throws um their defense has been pretty good their defense didn't give up the two touchdowns their offense did and um you know the raiders went in there and 20 to 14 in some regards isn't indicative of how they physically dominated kansas city so um you know, it's it's been a it's been a rough year for the AFC division champions, the defending division champions, Buffalo. Right. Uh, you know, th- you know, think about it. Um, every defending division champion in the AFC, which would be Buffalo, Cincinnati, Jacksonville, and Kansas City, has lost at least six games this year. That's crazy. I, it tells you a lot about the parity overall, but that's that's that just that sort of defies uh, realistic expectation. You expect one team to stand head and shoulders above the others, and we don't really have that this year. Well, Jacksonville's in free fall. Yeah, 
in Indianapolis and Houston refuse to catch them. Yep. You know? So, <laughs> refuse to catch them. Good way to put it. I think Carolina and Tennessee left. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, a, that's a good way to so put it. it. I mean, it's, who knows what's going to happen. It, it, it's almost like a polar opposite of what happened with Jacksonville last year. Uh, they were 4-8, and eight and they won their last five games. Right, yeah. This year, they had that long winning streak, and now they're in the midst of a four-game skid. Mm-hmm. Well, this brings us to the the Patriots and the Bills. And, and while, you know, I think a lot of people were certainly pleasantly surprised around here that the Patriots, uh, you know, won at Denver uh, to the chagrin of some who want this team to, you know, somehow figure out a way to lose on purpose, which just I've tried to explain today is an impossibility unto itself. Uh, Buffalo has a ton to play for, even though as up and down as their season has been of late. You beat the Patriots, then you get Miami, and then you have a chance to still win the division. And that's everything in Buffalo. And I could not see a more motivated team at this time of year right now than Buffalo. No, they have, uh, they have a sore. When you hear something really odd about how rocky a year it's been for them, uh, they're in the middle of a three game winning streak. The last time they won three in a row were weeks two through four. Wow. Wow. They it didn't really seem the- like it was that long ago. That's right. Yeah, they lost to the Jets on opening that overtime Monday night game. Um, and then they reeled off three straight wins. And they they never built on that momentum whatsoever. Um, and last week, I mean, face it, last week, they found themselves down to um, the Chargers. Chargers, yes, they were down. Yeah, they were like a 10, 12, 14-point favorite in, the, in that game, somewhere around there. And they ended up, you know, squeaking by by two, right? They won 24-22 yeah. on the mm-hmm. field goal. Right. And Buffalo, by the way, is a 12-point favorite against the Patriots on uh, Sunday. Well, listen, they, they the Bills, there's a lot of people who feel like they've gotten uh, a little thing going here and so on. A lot of it had to do with that Dallas win, running the football. James Cook has been a big part of their offense. Um, defensively, uh, you know, they've been – so so they can rush the passer. There's always been suspect against the run. Um, you know, New, New England will lean on them. And mm-hmm. you know, when Mac Jones led that comeback late in late in the game against Buffalo, you know, mm-hmm. so um, we 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 shall see. Yeah. And um, you know, I'm not I never say never. It was funny. New England's played better on the road than they have. They have at home this year. They have. And I think that has a lot to do uh, with pressure. Yes. You know that has a lot to do with pressure. I think. Yeah. So. I'm 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 right there on that one with you. I like I said, I'd be surprised if the Patriots got blown out. I I think they make this a game, and you know it really depends on yeah. mistakes and penalties at the at the end, just like it always has. And Buffalo has been known well, to shoot yeah, themselves in the foot too. Divisional win. I mean, listen, the Eagles were blowing the Giants out the other day. Uh, Bart Scott fumbles the. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, Boston Scott fumbles the. The second half kickoff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Jalen Hurts throws the pick six, and all of a sudden it's twenty to eighteen. Right, right. You know, mm-hmm. so you know things happen very, very quickly. These teams know each other very, very well. I mean, there's you know, Bill Belichick spent twenty years dominating the Bills. Mm-hmm. Okay, yep. and even some of that when Sean McDermott was there. Right. So there's no real secrets here, and so on. So right. Right. I mean, I think Buffalo will find a way to win, but I'm with you. I think they're going to have some scratch and claw. Yep. yep. 
I'm, I'm with you on that one. Russell, happy new year to you and, and to your family. I, I trust that your Christmas went well and that I know that the new year will hopefully uh, be a fruitful one for you. And we do so appreciate the ability to talk to you every week here in this particular venue. So thank you again, my friend. And like I said, happy new year to you and yours. And happy new year to you. And um, let's see, next year, they, they, they wrap, next week, they wrap things up um, with the Jets. They're whipping boy. Yeah, lack of a better word. Yeah, exactly. Which one team they've learned learned how to beat over the you know last pretty much the last decade or so. Listen, ain't no there's no there's no tank into the Jets. You you build on that and to see what happens and so on. And um, again, it's been an uncharacteristic year for them, but we shall see. If you haven't figured out that. We don't know what the hell's going on in this movie. <laughs> yeah, it's very true. But we talk a good game, don't we? <laughs> yeah, we do. Thank you, buddy. That's we'll just talk like soon. Old hyphen er. Yeah, <laughs> old hyphen er. I like that. I might have to steal that one. Thank you. Uh, we'll talk soon. Thank you, my friend. You got it, Russell Baxter, uh, at Bax Football Guru on X, Twitter, whatever the hell it is. Uh, Faith, thank you today appreciate your stepping in at the last minute like that we hope that marine uh heals up quickly and that everything's okay with his kids as well our thanks to the one and only mike reese vic carucci from buffalo russell baxter evan lazar and thanks to you my friends for being with us throughout uh, what has certainly been a um Let's just say it's been a bit of a roller coaster ride in 2023 for the New England Patriots. Um, you know, 2024 doesn't officially get started until after the game on Sunday, I know. So maybe there'll be nowhere to go but up from this point in time. I, who knows? But we'll be here same patch time, same patch channel next week to not only talk about Buffalo, but then preview the final game against the New York Jets. And then you can really start to turn your attention toward rebuilding, reloading, re quarterbacking, re-coaching, oh, whatever you want to do. It's coming. It's coming soon. We'll get there. Patience. And no tanking. See you. Thank you for downloading this podcast. Subscribe on Apple, Google Play, and everywhere else you listen. Like the show? Please rate and review us. Listener comments and ratings help keep us high in the podcast rankings so new listeners can find us. Be sure to check Patriots.com for more news and more podcasts.